Woo! Awesome, awesome. All right, guys, I'm your host today, uh, Ryan, a.k.a. Apes. Um, today is my first episode of The Come Up. Excited for the guest that we have today. Um, this is going to be a special one. And uh, someone I've is a great who is a great friend of mine. But before kind of we jump into things, guys, I did want to take a brief second, honestly, just to pay condolences to a friend of mine that I knew. His name was Amir Ali. May have seen it in the news, not too sure. But um, kind of besides that, the reason I wanted to bring that up is obviously to pay, pay condolences, you know, wish my prayers out to his family and stuff like that. But just also describe uh, what an awesome man this guy was, how incredible, humorous, um, adventurous, all those those great words to describe him. Um, that's that's who Amir Ali was. Um, and I also did want to point out, too, you know, a month before his passing, um, I had a chance to talk to him. And by a chance to talk to him, I mean I was at a coffee shop and I had seen him. But the the I don't even know what you would call it, the dumb side of me was like, no, you know, what, I don't want to bother him or maybe he doesn't want to talk to me. And stuff like that. So I pursued that. You know, I just didn't make eye contact and I just stayed focused on my laptop. I was doing whatever I was doing on my laptop at the time. And when I seen that on the news or just on Instagram and stuff like that, quickly I was like, wow, like I should have I should have said something. Now I'm never gonna get that opportunity again. And uh, it's very unfortunate. So I say that as a reminder to everyone that does listen to this, to if you see a friend, family member, or someone that you may have not talked to in the past. Um, stop conversation, whatever reason the case may be. Um, just go up and say hi, man, because you just you just never know nowadays. So, yeah. So I wanted to say that. Fly high, brother. Um, I know you're in a better place right now. So once again, respects to my friend Amir Ali. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into it. Let me introduce my guest. That way we can get this rocking and rolling. Um. Today's guest, like I said, is a uh, co-worker, um, someone I consider um, a mentor of mine. This man is a bodybuilding enthusiast, nutrition specialist, and a mixed martial artist, someone who practices the mar uh, mixed martial arts. I have once seen this man choke a bear with one arm, and with the other arm was none other than a glass of Jack Daniels. Oh, so yeah. without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, want to introduce my guest, Aaron Pinerda. Welcome, What's going Aaron, on, man. What's Thank going you for on, having man? me. No, of course, man. This is my pleasure. I really appreciate you. I know we've been talking about it a lot at work mm -hmm. um, and stuff like that. I've been bringing this up to you constantly, and I'm, I brought the idea up to you if you were interested. And you've been nothing but patient with me. Um, I've been, you know, just... Creating every excuse in the book, man. And then finally, I'm just like, you know what? You know, and not to be too, too emotional, I guess, about things, you know, or too, too weird about stuff. But like I said, life is just short. And it's like, just attack your goals, man. Go after it. What's the worst that can happen? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, don't die with your dreams. I mean, don't die without your dreams. Die with your dreams. So anyways, um, yeah, I want to pre, like I said, thank you again uh, for your patience. Yeah, of course, man. Yes, sir. Well, let's go ahead and um, jump right into it, man. Let's go ahead and give the audience a little bit of background about you. So, of course, we're going to start, you know, from the very beginning as far as when you, when and where you were born. 
Yeah, definitely. So I was born in 1996 in the Southwest Houston area, and I basically lived there the entirety of my life up until about six, seven months ago. Um, I'm 26 years old now. Um, and I didn't really move that far. I made it seem like I moved across the country. I moved an hour and a half up north, but when you're in Houston, that's a pretty big deal. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. got you, got you, man. Um, now, did you have any uh, any siblings growing up, or what was the what was the scenario with that? Yeah, yeah. So um, I mainly grew up with my grandmother, um, okay. but I do have one other sibling. He's 20 years old. Um, my brother Chris. Okay, and when you said you mainly grew up with your um, grandmother was that because your your mom was out, you know, just kind of hustling and bustling, and your grandmother was to take care of you and your brother at the time, or what kind of paint the picture us for that? Um, a, a little bit of the both. Like my mom definitely was busy working and trying to, you know, make sure she was taking care of everything she needed to. Um, my brother was a lot younger than me at the time, so making sure that she's taking care of him. Um, I've always been kind of self sufficient and a self starter, even from a young age. So, um, my my mom also she moved a lot, you know, because of her career. Um, and I, I kind of liked being in my own little bubble. So, you know, my grandma is one of those grandmas that she's lived there forever and she's never going to move. So I just stayed there. No, I got you. Um, I think something very interesting, too, was before um, you did come to Houston, you were um, in El Salvador with your mother and father, uh, biological father. Mm-hmm. And he had a very tough decision as far as uh, a political career that he was pursuing. And your mother kind of gave him. You know, maybe you can correct me on this, but ultimately I'm like, hey, either it's your career or it's the family. And of course, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's a very hard choice. But uh, I'll let you kind of do the uh, talk as far as what he did choose and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was born in Houston, but um, I was conceived over in El Salvador. Um, okay. So, at the, you I know, uh, when my mom found out about that, she um, basically already had plans to move over to the U.S. to start a new life there um, with her parents. But yeah, she basically went to my biological dad and was like, hey, you know, I'm pregnant. And he immediately was like, don't go to the U.S., like stay here. My career's taking off. Like I'll be able to take care of you guys, no problem. And, you know, she she kind of had the foresight to see like, okay, I want to be able to provide my son with and, and myself even, right? Like, let's be real, myself and my son, um, my family, just more opportunities that you can't get here in El Salvador. So she was basically like, I'm going, I would love for it, love for it, love for you to go. But if you can't, I mean, I completely understand too. So it, it wasn't like a nasty thing or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was just a mutual agreement. You know, he, he was gotcha. perfectly, he wanted to be a part of my life. He wanted to do all of that, but he just had some other things going on to where he wasn't able to leave because Coming from a place like El Salvador, it doesn't, this is going to sound really weird, it doesn't really matter what you do over there because whenever you come to the U.S., it's like a blank slate. So it doesn't matter if you've been practicing medicine or practicing law or been in politics for years and years and years on end. Yeah, you might be fortunate to find sort of an opportunity here in the U.S., but you're basically starting from scratch, right? That's why a lot of individuals, when they come over here, um, they, they're kind of forced to work manual labor jobs and uh, just kind of odd jobs here and there just to make ends meet. Because, um, you know, it, it takes time. You're going to have to redo all the entirety of your education. Um, you're going to have to do any type of, like, internships all over, basically. Why is that, though? Do you, do you feel like it's if, – if you know, or maybe if you want to just put your two cents into it mm-hmm. – um, does that kind of have to do with like, it doesn't hold as much bearing when they come to say it's like, you know, the U S looks at it as like, well, that's not 
how we teach it or it's not as efficient as 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 we do it so we're gonna have to non non you know uh, avoid all that stuff kind of why do, do you happen to know why or have an opinion on as far as why it's like that man that's a really good question i never thought of it um i i think like this the most simplistic answer would be like yeah you probably did that over here but over here these are our, um our standards every doctor at least knows this every lawyer at least knows this every politician has to meet these guidelines and if you don't meet them until you meet them you're not going to do this particular endeavor so i think it's it's more more so that than they just don't feel like the uh, someone else can handle that job. It's just you don't have the prereqs done yet. And to keep uniformity, um, to keep that industry standard, they need uniformity, right? Yeah, of course. Um, and and whenever you you and your mother, you know, did come, uh, or when she came back to the states and stuff like that, um, was as you grew up, you know, because I'm pretty sure you're you're pretty young at this time and stuff like that. Uh, was that something that really that you would see maybe through nonverbal communication um, that you would see would affect her that, you know, oh, you know, he's not with me or she would talk to you and be like, you know, I wish he was here. Or maybe if you had asked a question about it, you could just sense, like I said, through nonverbal communication, her, she would go from a smile to, um, yeah, you know, he's just not here anymore. Like, did you kind of sense stuff like that from your mother? Oh, not at all, dude. My mom's a gangster. She did not care. Yeah, she was. She she was like, hey, she was like, hey, I gave him a chance. He didn't he didn't want to come over. That's on him. You know, she was like, OK, I can sit here and dwell on it or I can, you know, pursue my own education, pursue my own career and make sure that my kids are taken care of and I'm taken care of. Um, so props to her for yeah. that. Like she she didn't once look back at anything. And, and that's something I really personally admire about her and something I'm trying to get better with is she's she's very much that like typical Hispanic mom where it's like I made my decision and I'm never looking back at it. I got you. Now let's kind of switch over to that. Now that, you know, she's, she's over there. Um, I believe you told me that she, she was blessed and fortunate in the sense that her parents were like, Hey, you can come stay with us. Uh, correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so basically or... my grandmother and my mother were the ones who went from El Salvador to the United States, to Houston, Pasadena area mm. more specifically. Um, from there, okay. my grandmother met a gentleman that she ended up marrying, became stepdad for my mom. Um, and yeah, basically he they they were like, okay, you're done with school. Now what? Do you want to pursue a certificate? Do you want to go to grad school? Do you want to go to college? Like, what is it that you want to do? So my mom kind of had a little game plan for what she wanted to do, and she just pursued that. And she was very very fortunate to have um, the parents she did at the time, so to allow her to do those things. Specifically, what did she pursue? What, what um, certificates? What what uh, form of edu education was she looking to do? I believe business management. Business management. Yeah. Got you. And as far as like growing up and stuff like that, what was that dynamic? You know, obviously you're having a new father. Mm -hmm. um, you're with you're around your, your grandmother more, uh, grandmother more um, and your mother. Was she just kind of tough on you, um, relaxed on you? Like just kind of how was the dynamic growing up um, in that sense? Um, my grandmother was definitely uh, definitely an interesting character. It was very she was she was a very. Again, you know, my word is final. I'm going to make my decision and never look back at it type of lady. And although I definitely wish that certain situations were handled differently growing up, um, I appreciate the type of grandmother I had because it kind of gave me that mental toughness that I needed growing up. Um, you know, I, I feel like nowadays 
so many people are overly sensitive about everything. Um, so many people are so quick to try to center everything around them. And, and that's just not how life works, you know? And, and I think that the sooner you can learn that lesson, the better. Now, granted, there's a lot of different ways to learn that lesson. I, I probably learned it the more aggressive way, but I learned it nonetheless. No, hundred percent, man. Yeah. I think that's very important, you know, to have that fine balance of, um, strict, I guess you can call it, but also lenience, you know, but there's a guy, man, uh, Patrick David, you know, he does it well, you know, like for his kids and pa Patrick David is a very, um, I guess you could consider him an entrepreneur. That that's really what you would consider himself at that very good guy. You should, the audience, if you're listening to this, you should definitely uh, check him out. But with like a quick, a quick example, right. Would be with his kids. Um, his kids, let's say want something, a toy, right. Cause they're still, you know, young infants for the most part. And he's like, well, if you want that toy, here's a book and I want you to read the book. And on top of that, I want you to tell me what you learned from the book. Then, and only then, can you get this um, book? And I think that's a very um, good way to kind of establish that hardworking and that, that driven mindset rather than just, hey, you just get it. And then you have that, that culture shock when you go to the real world and you realize, wow, not everything is given to me. I'm not getting my way. What's going on? And you start having these personal conflicts um, and stuff like that. Um, do you feel like, you know, if you ever do, you know, eventually have kids and stuff like that, are you going to take that kind of approach? Like, what do you feel like is going to be your approach when, when you, you know, hopefully have, or if you do have kids one day? No. Yeah. You know, to, to kind of build on that a little bit more, you know, I was very fortunate to have some of the jobs that I did have growing up too, because a lot of those jobs were teaching kids martial arts, right? And dealing with kids is hard enough, let alone teaching them how to break arms without hurting each other, right? <laughs> so I, it, it definitely took my patience when it comes to, to kids, like to a whole nother level. And, and I think it taught me how even at a young age, every kid has their own personality and they have their own method of learning. Um, and it's just kind of up to you as the teacher, as a coach, as the parent to find what that method is and to, and to implement it. Right. So if I am ever fortunate enough to have kids, absolutely. I want to teach them the value of hard work and, and, you know, it's tough too, because you kind of have to let them make their own mistakes too. So I, I know I'm going to have my, my, um, my own trials as a parent, I guess you can say, where it's like, okay, what do I need to do here? Do I need to kind of step back and let them make that mistake? Or do I need to interfere and prevent something from mm -hmm. happening? So I know it's going to be a learning curve for me too. Um, but, you know, if it ever comes, I'll, I'm more than happy to take it on. No, of course. I don't know if I'm overstepping this or overthinking this, you know what I mean? But you mentioned your grandmother, but you're not really mentioning what your mother was kind of doing, you know, obviously she's, like you said, she's a gangster. She said, Hey, I got to do what I got to do, man. I got to, I got to support my kids. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? With or without a man. Yeah. Um, so I get that aspect, but I didn't, you weren't did. What about as far as your mother, what was she kind of teaching? Did she ever sit you down? Like, Hey, this is, this is how things are trying to mentor you. Basically was, was she doing that or was she just on grind mode and just going and just, as long as you and your brother are, are provided for kind of thing, man. So, I, I think, th again, it boils down to personality, right? Because I've always been kind of like an observant learner too. Like I can, I can pick up lessons and pick up um, different things just by watching certain people, watching how they talk, watching how they move. And although, you know, my mother and I probably never had those sit down conversations where it's, where she thoroughly explained things to me, 
I can visually see how much effort she's putting in. I can visually see the rewards that are coming from her from her work. I can visually see everything that's happening. So it's processing in my own mind as a lesson either way. So although we might not have sit we might not have sat down and had those types of conversations, I was able to observe um, what she was doing, um, you know, how she handled bad situations in life, how she handled good situations in life. So I, I learned either way. Mm-hmm. No, I got you. Honestly, yeah, I, I feel the same way with my father. Mm-hmm. Although my father, when I was younger, never really, um, never really, in a sense, like sat me down. So he was just so busy, you know, just working and just, just the blue collar guy, just working as hard as he can to provide for his family. Mm-hmm. You know, that comes first. As long as the the bills are paid and my family's uh, provided for, then I can, you know, kind of worry about myself. But I, I noticed the same thing, and we're so observant. You know what I mean? Like I'll notice him waking up really early. I'll be in my bed, you know, just have my eyes closed. And then I hear him um, wake up and I'm like, oh, you know, as a kid, I'm, uh, you know, I didn't have a phone at the time, you know, just because of the times mm-hmm. we were in at that point in time when I, but I would look out the window. I'd be like, it's pitch dark. You know, this guy's waking up at this time. And he's got to go to work and I'm able to just still be in bed, like, you know, or um, he would come home and he would still got to do things he's got to do. And it was just, you know, kind of motivating, inspiring. And then, like you said, it gets onto you and you're like, you take, you take from that. You're like, well, maybe I should follow the same uh, blueprints. It seems to be, you know, working out mm-hmm. uh, for them and stuff like that. But um, yeah, well, I mean, it's safe to say that a lot of crazy stuff happened uh, as a kid, uh, you know, with just decisions with your father, you know, you know, and then your mother coming over here, just grinding it out and, you know, just kind of learning left. uh Tough life lessons as a kid. But let's kind of fast forward a little bit to um, high school, all right? And then, you know, we're just going to kind of push from there as far as what's going on with you now and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, kind of run me through that that, that four-year experience, man. You know, if you, know, you really learned much of anything. Because I'll be honest, man, I just remember the good times I was having with my homies. You yeah. Know, the days where it was like, hey, man, like after school, we're going to play some basketball. Or we're going to go train. We're going to go play football. Things like that. Now it's like you text them. It's like, dude, I got work. Dude, I'm busy. Dude, I got school, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or a homegirl, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't, man, if you ask me what a Pythagorean theorem is or how to re- write a real written essay, you know, it's got to be two inches, um, two inch spacings and times new Roman, uh, new Roman, I believe it's called and stuff like that. I don't remember mm-hmm. any of that, man. Yeah. Run me through what you, um, that for your experience and stuff like that. Yeah, man. Um, so basically, my my freshman year of high school, I remember starting off uh, high school just kind of doing my own thing. I wasn't very extroverted at the time, but I also wasn't introverted. Like I, I definitely would have a conversation with you if you tried to have one with me back, but. I was always just kind of to myself, just doing my own thing, uh, liked watching TV, playing outside, video games, things like that. Um, and freshman year was such a pivotal point in my life because that's when I, I made a, a decision to start being healthier and to start actually trying to make something of myself without me even knowing it. And it started from the it, – it's funny now looking back at it, and I'm, I'm grateful that it happened because it led me to where I am today. Um, I remember I got off the bus one day, and – I wasn't like obese or anything like that, but you know, I wasn't in shape. I was like skinny fat. I was a skinny fat kid. Um, I got off the bus and I just remember I was walking home. I had about maybe like a half mile to walk home. Uh, and I got jumped to do like, I just got jumped. They took my, I didn't have a phone at the time. I had an iPod. That's I'm dating myself. I had an iPod. Um, I got jumped. They took my iPod and then 
I was like, okay, like nothing ever preps you for that. Like what the hell do you do? You know what I mean? So I got home and, you know, I, I, I remember I was watching, I've always been a fan of like WWE and, and stuff like that. Right. I've always, cause I've always, always like a shorter guy, like a smaller guy. So you know, I would watch WWE and those guys were like so surreal for me, even as like a, as a kid, even my freshman year, if I'm being honest with you, because they're like six foot five, some of them are seven feet tall, they're 300 something pounds, they're just larger than life, right? And I was always like, man, those are like big, big important people, right? Like those are the people who command authority. Um, so I always kind of wanted to do something like that. And it took me getting jumped that one day after school for me to actually start taking incentive to do something about it. Um, because again, if I looked like Brock Lesnar, that probably would not have happened, right? So um, I remember right outside of my neighborhood, there was a there was a local MMA gym that was ran by a uh, Brazilian, and I would drive past it all the time whenever I was with um, with my grandmother, with family, whatever. And after that, I think about a week or so, I was like, you know what, like. I think I want to do that because, again, I was a big fan of like Brock Lesnar. So I would see him. He just got into the UFC at the time and he was just on a tear, just like killing everybody. And I was like, I could do that. Like, it's time for me to start doing something about this. Right. Especially after what just happened. I got to I got to make a change. Right. So I walk into an MMA gym and, you know, the rest was history. I was that kid who was going five, six times a week. Cause when you're that young, you recover like instantly, you don't have to worry about like soreness or your back pain or knee pain or anything like that. So I got the hell beat out of me for probably like the first freaking six months a year, but you learn a lot and I got in great shape as a result from it. And my confidence went through the roof. Um, and that was like freshman to sophomore year. So sophomore all the way to like my, my senior year, I was still training a lot. Um, yeah, I, I, pretty much the entirety of my life was just training, eating better and getting ready to train. I didn't really care too, too much about school, my academics or anything like that. Um, because like I said, in, in my mind, I had it that, oh, I was going to be a pro fighter now. You know, I'm, when, when you're that young, you, you have some ridiculous goals, right? I was like, oh, I'm going to be a pro fighter now. I don't need math. I don't need science. I don't need any of that stuff, right? Yeah. How old, well, how old were you when you were you like 15, 16 when you got jumped or how old were you at that time? I think I had just turned 15 or 16. Yeah. Somewhere in that ballpark. Do you kind of remember the emotion that you're having? Like, are you, I mean, obviously the first thing to do um, at that time, just cause you don't, you didn't know anything about self-defense. You didn't know, okay, maybe I, I need to maneuver, mm -hmm. have my hands up. I need to look for my nearest getaway, whatever the case may be. Right. Just looking for your ins and outs and stuff like that. Do you kind of remember, thinking okay of what to do or was it just you just showed up and you're just you could just feel the hits just raining on you and then them taking as they're taking your mm -hmm. ipod you're just like dang it dang it dang it like what what's the emotion do you remember anything of that yeah dude so basically i like i said i just remember i was walking and i had my headphones in first red flag like don't ever mm -hmm. walk around with headphones or earphones guys like take that from someone who has been on the <laughs> receiving end of something uh yeah don't ever walk around like that um i was walking down uh, towards my street and i just got sucker punched from the back and i got dropped uh kind of like that light switch feel so it, it's almost like yeah, someone flipped yeah, the yeah. lights on me and next thing i knew i was kind of uh <laughs> on my back and kind of like a turtle position and Obviously, you can't do anything if you just got sucker punch and you got like three dudes yeah, trying to beat the shit out of you. So I was like, okay, <laughs> let me just cover up what <laughs> cover up the important shit, right? So you know, you cover up your head, yeah, your yeah. face, your head, <laughs> making sure all of you, you're in one piece. But luckily, they didn't like 
try to beat the shit out of me. They just tried to get a lick off of me, kept me pinned down so they can uh, get what they needed to and leave. Uh, and so, I remember – go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead, sir. No, yeah. After that, I just stood up and I was like, well, what the hell just happened? Like that didn't seem real. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah, – yeah, yeah. you only see that in movies, right? So, <laughs> and And, and – after after you see it in a movie, it cuts to a different scene. You know, I still had mm-hmm. to walk home. I still had to walk home with a freaking hematoma on the side of my head. Like, God dang, you know, that sucked going home. I think I ate like French fries when I got home too. something random fact. I ate like French fries when I got home and I was like, yeah, something something's <laughs> got to change, man. That's not OK, because uh, where I lived that it, it, it wasn't like the ghetto by any means. It wasn't like, you know, third ward in Houston, but it, it's definitely not the best area. Um so I was like, okay, if I'm going to continue to be here for the next few years, I got to be ready to fight just in case something happens. Hopefully I won't ever have to, but in case I do, like I want to at least be sure of myself. Cause I, I fought a little bit growing up, you know, you have siblings and cousins and family members and things like that, but it's different when it's another person outside of your family and you guys are for real trying to hurt each other. Like that's a different mm-hmm. type of emotion. So I wanted to kind of prep for that. So what was the feedback like? Um, I mean, of course, you know, your grandmother, your mother's um, stepfather, you know, they had to have seen you, you know, you're going, you have to go home or something like that. Did they, did you, like, how did that happen? Like, what, what was their feedback? No one in my family knew. I still don't even think Ew. they know. Yeah, I kept it to wow. myself. I, I'm, that was embarrassing, man. I don't want to tell people I just got beat up. You know what I mean? I was like, okay. Yeah, but first thing, the, uh, yeah. the hematoma. Oh, you- no, dude, mm-hmm. good at, I'm good at hiding things. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to look at them for the next few days. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> let the glasses. swelling go down. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to hide this the best I can. Um, I don't know why I thought I would get in trouble because I got jumped and robbed. But, you know, when you're a kid. So um, so that experience happened to you and stuff like that. So it, so it was Brock Lesnar that you kind of idolized and you've seen his 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 frame. Was mm-hmm. he the one that you idolized and you're like, man, I want to I want to be like Brock Lesnar. I want to be tough. I want to be strong. I don't want nobody to mess with me. Was was he the guy? There was three. There was three, okay. and I actually I, I I don't have them out. I wish I wish I would have known ahead of time. I would have had them out to show you. I still have them. They're a little bobblehead figurine still in the original yeah, packaging. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh it was Brock Lesnar just because he was an animal. He is literally like peak genetics. He picked the best possible parents. Um, there was Jason Mayhem Miller. Um. He's retired now, but he had an amazing personality at the time. He was the guy that used to host that MTV show, Bully Beatdown. I've never seen it, but I know exactly who you're talking about, Jason uh, Man, He was really big in the UFC. He was yeah. UFC, correct, right? Yeah, uh, he was pro- like, yeah. yeah he, um, he fought in the UFC a handful of times, but most of his fights were overseas. Um, and he was an awesome fighter, really slick jujitsu. Um, he was kind of the reason that I got into uh, jujitsu more specifically, like the grappling and stuff like that, just because he kind of helped create that appreciation for it for me. Um, and the third person is uh, Chael Sonnen. I love Chael Sonnen. He was personality at its peak. You know what I mean? He was able yeah, to sell yeah. fights like no other. Um, and he just knew how to talk. And I always thought that was really interesting, like, how someone can can gain a fan base and how someone can put themselves in really good positions just using their words. Um, so that was really powerful to me. And plus, he was a badass fighter, too. So just a combination of all of those things uh, definitely made him one of someone that uh, got me into the sport, too. 
Yeah, that's awesome, man. Freaking Jason, man, man, that guy's a killer, man. Yeah. So whenever you you said you went to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? Was that mm-hmm. correct? Did I hear that right? Okay. Correct. When you go in there, if if you kind of I know this is a lot of it may be fog just because you know years go by, it's hard for you to remember certain things, just things that really kind of impact you. You're gonna remember just like mm-hmm. when you you got jumped, you remember that because that's in your memory. You you got hit hard. You got your stuff taken. I mean, that's engraved in your memory. When you walk in, as you're kind of just looking around, you're looking at the badge, you're looking at, I don't know if they maybe had like a little, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what you may call it, octagon arena. As you're soaking it all in, are you kind of like, did nervousness hit you? Like, oh God, like what am, what am I doing here? Maybe I'm not the tough guy I want to be. Or is it like, oh man, this is, I'm ready to get started. And you're just telling, you know, you're just trying to get signed up like right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember I went to the trial class. Um, yeah, I went to a trial class and I kind of didn't really know what to expect. So I asked the, the people up front, I was like, hey, you know, if I want to do trials, like what all do I need? And they're like, oh, just bring workout clothes. We have gloves and shin guards and stuff like that that you can borrow, get a mouthpiece. I was like, okay, cool. So I went to Academy, I got my mouthpiece and I went there and I did for a second, a very split second kind of hit me like, oh man, like I'm literally the youngest person in this adult class. Like these are grown ass men punching, kicking, slamming, choking, like beating the shit out of each other. I was like, oh, like, what what, what am I doing? But then, like, I snapped out of it real quick. I'm like, no, like, this is exactly where I need to be. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted Mm -hmm. to learn how to be a badass. Like, this is how you become a badass. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, and then, uh, like you said, you're going there pretty frequently throughout the week. You're going five, six times a week with your coaches. Notice that, and then just naturally, they kind of gravitate towards you, and they're like, man, you know, whether this kid is going to be a, a big fighter one day or not, he's serious. We can see he's serious. He, he's coming here. He's proven that he's being consistent. Let's mentor this kid. Was that kind of the approach they were taking? Man, uh, that's a good question. So I, I went a lot. And like I said, I just got the hell beat out of me for months at a time. But I think call it more stubbornness than anything. Um for some reason, I just kept going back. Like it just became a routine habit for me. Uh, I used to go home and just like play video games or I used to go home and just watch TV. Um, but now I would go home, I would eat, and then I would just be at the gym for like three hours a day. Um, and that just became my normal routine. And I never thought twice about it. And eventually, yeah, people at the gym start to notice, you know, especially when you're getting in better shape and when you're when the you're when you're the youngest one there in the adult class or one of the youngest ones there, you're naturally going to have some eyes on you, right? Um, and after a couple, I think a summer being there, um, we didn't really, I didn't have enough money to continue going, but I was very fortunate to have, um, the people running the gym at the time, they actually made me a really good offer. Mm -hmm. They were like, Hey, if you, you know, are willing to come in here twice a day and clean the gym up, mop the mats, sweep, take out all the trash, Mm -hmm. organize things, and we'll just go ahead and comp your membership. And I was like, yes, 100% I'll do that. Um, and it kind of helped teach me discipline and structure in addition to all like the neat things that martial arts can teach you because I now had uh, an obligation to be there, right? I couldn't go there if I wanted to hang out or I couldn't not go if I just wanted to hang out with my friends or if I had schoolwork, like, no, I made a commitment to do something and I have to do it. Um, yeah. And it was something simple, like just sweeping and mopping a mat. I'm sure they wouldn't have cared if I called out a day, but in all the time I was there, I never called in once. I always did everything I was supposed to. Um, I was always early. So. Yeah. And also in little do you know that that's building discipline mm-hmm. in you as well. You know, something as, as 
I don't want to undermine it too much. I don't want to make it seem like I don't do it or like it's, it's not worthy or anything, but something as minuscule as, you know, just mopping, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't really benefit you in any way, but it's just that um, understanding that, Hey, this is what they told me to do. And in order for me to continue to get the training that I want and stuff like that, I have to do this. And I can't, um, I can't, um, excuse me, I can't have acid. You know what I mean? I need to, cause they're going to, you know, they're going to look and they're going to be like, this guy is, he's not, he, he's just not even putting effort into it at all. He's just barely mopping, going through the motions. Um, so that, that was a good thing um, as well that, you know, you, like I said, you may not have seen up front, but it was helping you um, with discipline and stuff like that. But kind of going back, shifting back to uh, just for a brief moment, back to the the school because, like I said, your your whole thing now is like, I want to be a fighter. Mm-hmm. I love this. I just love this environment. And you're not really into the the school that much. But you had to have had um, manage your, your grades at least a little bit, you know, because I'm pretty sure back then we still had, I don't know, if, did you still have, like, report cards and stuff? You had to report to your mother? Like, she reviewing your grades? Like, what was going on with that? Yeah, I mean – Look, if I'm being honest with you, I've always been really good at talking to people. So although I might not have done a lot of my work, yeah, although I might not have been able to do a lot of my work, like I was always super respectful and super polite to all the teachers. I was never disruptive. Um, although I might not have done my work, I didn't get in their way. I didn't bother them. I made them laugh. I made them smile. I, I like, you know, made their days a little bit better. So they usually tend to... Uh, sway your grade in one way or another, you know what I mean? Or be a little more, a little bit more lenient about certain things with you. Um, yeah. I think the only, only teacher mm-hmm. I didn't work with was like my senior year algebra teacher, but yeah. <laughs> you know, one out of four years isn't bad. <laughs> one teacher out of four years ain't bad. So I think that's a good statistic. No, a hundred percent, man. Did you, um, Man, I just had this question in my head too. Um, did you ever see those guys again by any chance? Or, or I mean, it happened so fast. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't see get a glimpse of them. But the the guys that did jump, did you oh, ever see them again? Man, those dudes had masks on. They like put way too much effort oh, into it. You know what I mean? And like. Uh, it, it was funny. They had like uh, these little ski mask things on, and it's like, for one, it's not that serious. Two, you took like a thirty dollar iPod touch not even it wasn't even an ipod touch it was like the freaking dial one that you have to like spin like that so it's like dude that's like 30 bucks like you could have just asked and i probably would have given it to you you didn't have to go through all of those steps um so i mean unfortunately i didn't get to find out who it was but in a weird way like i said it kind of led me to where i am today and if it was not for that instance i don't know if i would have gotten into martial arts so in a weird way i'm kind of glad that happened now I'm I'm kind of curious too, like in the sense of like you know you're doing all the training, you're you're in essence becoming a somewhat of a sense of a lethal weapon. You know mm-hmm. you have, you know you may man maybe maybe now you know I don't know if yeah 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 lethal weapon you could say honestly yeah lethal mm-hmm. weapon. Were you disciplined enough in the sense of like hey I'm I don't I only want like you said I only want to use this use my weapons my ar- weapons in my arsenal if I need to or or did that 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 mindset that curiosity you know it's like man I just want to I want to I want to test this out on somebody I maybe want to see I, I like you're like man I hope I see a bully cuz if I see a bully I'm going to test my skills out on this freaking guy did that ever happen to you like while you were in school man so I've always <sighs> I never really had like any enemies or any any bullies like that, especially like like in high school. So those thoughts never really crossed my mind. But there was definitely a couple instances where I was like, "Man, like I definitely could <laughs> do some damage if I wanted to." Like 
you know, yeah. when especially after a couple of years of training, um, and you're submitting and you're outboxing and you're out kickboxing some grown men, I'm like, dude, I can probably mess some of these teachers up. Like they need to be more respectful. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> You know, but which yeah, is yeah. dangerous, which I feel like is dangerous because when you're young, you oh, already yeah. kind of have this certain vibrato to yourself. You already kind of think yeah. that, uh, you know, you're, you're, you know, what doesn't stink. So, um, yeah, I, th I think it's important to get ego checks in there too. Otherwise those thoughts get, get a little too out there. But luckily I had a great team at the time that anytime my ego did get a little too inflated, they were real quick to, uh, show me where I, where I was in the totem pole, which, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Now, you know, of course, your family is seeing you, you know, being consistent, you know, going there like they see, I, I'm pretty sure they see as well that you're serious. Did those conversations ever come up with their maybe encouraging like, hey, you know, if this is what you want to do, pursue or are they, they were like, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna make you money, this is gonna do anything, just use this just to keep you out of trouble. It's something you like to do, but you need to be focused on the bigger picture, maybe getting a degree and stuff like that was what kind of conversations were those, if those conversations were even had with you, man. So those conversations weren't necessarily had with me. Um, you know, cause uh, again, at this time I was staying with my grandmother. Uh, she never really like, we never really had like a super close bond or super close connection to where we would sit down at the dinner table and have conversations. It was very much, I would, I was very self-sufficient. I would get up, I would go to school, I would come home, I would eat and I would find a way to get to, to get to, um, the gym, do what I need to. And I would find a way to get home. And that was it. Like I didn't really have any conversations. I was very to myself. I had my own schedule. I had my own structure and I did my own thing. Um, there was a couple times where my grandmother was like, Oh, you know, I don't, I don't know why you're doing this like you know yada 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 but it, it wasn't it, it never really went past those or past that yeah i want to i want to apologize too if i maybe didn't understand this or didn't clarify this but where is so where's your mother at this time like where's where's she mm -hmm. at no yeah definitely my mother at the time right around that time she had already moved to the north uh part of houston um, okay. so again, she was about maybe an, at that time, probably like two hours up North from where we were at. Yeah. Um, she was with my stepdad, with my little brother, kind of doing her own thing. And, you know, she always told me from a young age, like, Hey, if you ever want to come, like, we'll always have a room for you. Um, but she, I, I'm, I'm very thankful that she gave me the opportunity to make my own choices. Um, because I chose to stay with my grandmother because that's where my gym was at. That's where my friends were at. That's where everything was at. And I didn't want to leave. And she respected that. So. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so that's why I was kind of confused. I was like, where are you at that? Yeah. I, in my head, in my head, um, I was thinking y'all were all living together in one household, but I, mm. I totally forgot that you, that she had been with her step, uh, your stepfather and her brother. So I was just trying to clarify that because I was kind of confused. No, and yeah. I wanted to clarify that because I didn't want to keep bringing it up and you're like, hey, like, I like, um, <laughs> right? No, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I just wanted to go to over two more things as far as, you know, kind of just your high school years and stuff like that. Because uh, one in particular was, um, that we did um, discuss about and was, you know, quite interesting to me. But before that, what I, I kind of wanted to get your opinion too, man, as far as like um, the school system, you know what I mean? Mm. I think it's, I think it's a great tool to get us to conform, um, i.e. Hey, wake up at this time. Oh, and you're leaving at this time and you better, you know, get your, your schoolwork done. Cause if not, you're going to fail. Um, you're going to have to stay here longer or you might, um, you know, get written up, expelled, suspended, whatever the case may be, right? So they're kind of, and they're they're teaching you to to sit down in the chair, listen, 
only only talk when asked to talk. You know, just all of these kind of different intricacies and stuff like that. Did you did you kind of did, were you able to identify that at a young young age, or did you kind of identify that later on, or do you not even agree with what I'm kind of saying on that? Man, I kind of looked at school just as a checklist thing for me. Um, I knew that in order for me to do what I wanted to do, which was train, my coaches were very much like, you know, my grandma wasn't on my ass about my grades. She didn't really care too, too much, but my teammates and everyone at the gym was, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a couple instances where instead of calling, instead of calling, um, like my grandmother, they would just call the gym, <laughs> you know what I mean? And whenever they did that, issues got resolved instantaneously. Next day, there was no problems. Um, yeah. as far as to answer your question though, about the school system, like, I mean, I feel like we kind of lose sight of what it was originally intended for. Um, because I have a lot of friends who are teachers now, and this is no disrespect to any of them. Um, but they broke it down to me like this. They said, Aaron, like, so many parents think that it's my responsibility to um, basically raise their kids, and that's not the case. Like, I'm literally just here for a paycheck. I'm just here to teach my subject and go home. And that was very interesting to me because I had more than one friend tell me that, more than one teacher tell me that. And that was always interesting to me because I, w I always viewed coaching as this is my opportunity to be involved in another individual's life and help them grow, you know. Any issues and problems and any feelings that I had when I was a kid, this person probably feels the same way. And if I have an opportunity to help get them out of there or help prevent them feeling any of the negative things that I did, I want to take advantage of that. So I'd say it really boils down to the teacher because I'm sure you can attest for this. You probably had some teachers in school that were very much like, hey, write these notes down, take this test, cool, that's it, go home. Um, and you probably had some other teachers that were much more involved in the lesson and they were enthusiastic about what they were teaching and like you could just see the passion in their face and hear the passion in their voice. And those were the classes that the kids loved going to because every individual loves people like that. Everyone loves an individual that can help them grow, that can help them reach that next level. And I feel like school kind of lost sight of that. You know, it, it's very much become just a, just a checklist for the teachers too. Let me come in here, yeah. go over the lesson plan and go home. I mean, yes, <laughs> technically that's the criteria, but you're missing out on what the purpose of being a teacher is, what the purpose of being an, a, an influencer is in someone's mm -hmm, life. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. I, I think it boils down to the personality of the, uh, of the educator at that point. So I wouldn't put the no, blame I'm entirely not. on the school system um, because it's hard to find people like that. It's hard to find people that are passionate mm -hmm. about teaching and coaching. Um, so I don't know. Does that answer your question? I kind of went on like a long little rant there. <laughs> No man, I mean any 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 um any insight you give is is valid. You know, there there isn't necessarily a wrong or right answer as we're conducting this um conducting this uh, interview and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But you know, I, I do agree. You know what I mean? And I also it's hard for me because I'm not in their shoes and I don't want to be that guy that's like they need to do better. They need to mentor. They need to learn. They need to take time to uh, learn how to teach and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's hard, man. And then the one thing you always hear is is pay, pay, pay. You know, if you want me to put more effort, if you want me to also mentor your kid, even though you should be mentoring your kid, teaching them to come in here, act respectful and keep their hands to yourself, all those little things that you know, um, hey, pay me more, you know, stuff like that. Um, but just to kind of just add on to what you're saying, like, I do agree with that, you know, um, excuse me, that it, they do play an integral role. They're almost like a, your second family, your second mother or your second father. You know, they're teaching you right from wrong in a sense um, and stuff like that. So it, it's very tough. They do have a 
a full plate on our heads. But if I'm being honest, dude, I think where I learned, honestly, now that we're kind of having this conversation where I really gathered like life lessons and learned, you know, something that was of value was in sports. Mm-hmm. When I'm playing football, you, you know, you're learning how to deal with pressure. You know what I mean? Coaches yelling at you and even, you know, saying, you know, but they may, man, I've seen bad, you know, they've just destroyed somebody. Like you're just terrible and blah, 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 you know, just massacre somebody. You know what I mean? And you have to just find a way to just take it in, soak it in and, and, and identify where did I make my mistakes? Why is, why is he saying this to me mm-hmm. and having that conversation instead of being like, whatever, you know, F you coach, you know, things like that. And don't get me wrong. There are going to be coaches and stuff like that. that are like that. They're just over the top for no reason. But I really did feel like I gained a lot of um, experience for that. I remember one time, man, I had, um, we were, we were scrimmaging, right? Mm-hmm. We're just practicing stuff like that. And to keep that, that story short, I had messed up on a play, a blue coverage or something like that. Coach immediately comes to me and he's like, you know, just yell at me. Like, what are you doing? Like, you should know this, you know, just, just giving it to me. You know what I mean? Rightfully so as well. I deserve that. I know you messed and up I the just, play. Yeah. Messed up the play, man. Should have been my pick. You yeah. Know, but, um, and I just remember staying calm. I said, I'd soaked it in. I listened. I looked at him in the eye and I said, Roger that like, yeah, he's right. I, I need to, he, it, cause I looked, I looked past it and I, and I seen it as he wants me to be better. Cause if he didn't care, he'd be like, well, Ryan blue coverage. Cool. He's whatever. You know, I don't care about him. He probably won't ever start or stuff like that. Who cares? But there, they, he, you know, he was providing feedback. You know, of course, in those 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 um those environments, it's intense. Guys are flying around, hitting each other, um, exchange of words and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, but not to tr- kind of drag on too much on onto that and whatnot. I like I said, I did feel like. I learned a lot more in sports. Would you say the same? Like you felt like you learned more from your Brazilian teachers. Like they taught you like, Hey, be respectful, honor your opponent, respect your opponent. And stuff. like, just all those different things. Did, did you kind of get the same sense? 100%. My, my, um, my original Brazilian jujitsu coach was, um, Jorge Macaco Patino. So those of you who followed the UFC really heavy, the former lightweight champion, Charles Oliveira, that's his jujitsu coach. So I was extremely beyond blessed to have him as my jujitsu coach when I first started, um, because he was very much like that old school, typical Brazilian, where you come here, you bow on the mats, you respect everyone. When I am talking, you listen and you look at me, your eyes don't deviate anywhere else. You're going to show me respect. Um, and, and again, you take it a step further, all the lessons you learn while you're training is something that you just, you can't put a price tag on. Like, like I said, I made the joke earlier, you get humbled real quick. That's a real thing. Um, when you're going in there and you think you're good and someone's just a little bit better than you, someone's just a little bit faster than you, someone's just a little bit stronger than you, it teaches you one of two things. It teaches you that, yes, there's always going to be someone bigger, faster, and stronger, but they're going to continue to get bigger, faster, and stronger unless you try to catch up with them. So you can either sit there and sulk and cry and complain about where you're at, but guess what? The guy you're complaining about, the guy you're crying about is getting better. So take your time, get upset, but keep training. Keep trying to do better because that person's getting better, and they're going to keep getting better even if you don't. Dude, um, and – 
Man, I apologize. I not want to. No, nah, I'm not necessarily apologizing. I'm a bit apologizing, audience. I know we're going. We're going. We're just going deep on this high school years and stuff yeah. like that. And I know, you know, I want, I'm. We're still going to get into, you know, as far as like career goals and you know leadership and all that's all those kind of things that I, I was interested in, in interviewing about. But it, it is also it is a uh, very fascinating because I it meant it's it one of the things too. Uh, I'll just touch on this. That is a hard pill to swallow. Is understanding that even though you understand that you have to catch up to that guy who's getting bigger, faster, stronger. You also have to accept that that guy that you're chasing, no matter how hard you work, you're never going to be better than him. Never. Exactly. And I, and I had that, that hard pill to swallow in football. There's, there's my friend, um, my boy, Andrew strong power. I mean, weight room was strong, good on the field, tried so hard to catch up to him, but I just never could, could pound out the weight. I mean, I would come close in certain, certain aspects, you know, and stuff like that. But I just never could, and and I was just always Sarah focused on him, like how can I get better? How can I get better him than him and stuff like that? And it, it became almost like a weird addiction to want to be better mm-hmm. than him. But I just I in certain aspects that um he was doing, I wasn't. I mean, of course, there was aspects I was better than him, but there's something that I just wasn't. And it was I had a I had to swallow that pill, but I used it as. Hey man, I mean, it's still motivation to get better because it's always that what if, like what if I do get better? You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. maybe he's better than me right now, but I'm gonna catch him one day, and I'm and when it when I do, it's gonna be bittersweet. Um, so, did you ever have someone in the gym that you had the same thought? You're like, man, I just can't, I can't beat him. I'm, I can't, I'm not as fast as strong as him. I'm trying, so I'm doing everything I need to do, but I'm just not catching up to this guy. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would say like most of my team. Most of my teammates, you know, they were, they had already been training longer. They were, they, they were full grown men. So they had like that advantage. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, like I said, I just kept getting the hell beat out of me, but I knew it was for a greater purpose. I knew that because I'm getting my ass kicked now, I'm put in uncomfortable situations now. Like that's exactly what I need to get better. Right. Like if I was yeah. walking into the gym, submitting everyone, knocking everyone out, not getting touched at all, I'm not getting any better. And and I yeah. understood that from a young age. I understood that in order to get better, you kind of have to be the sh- excuse my part of my language, but you kind of have to be the crappiest person in the room. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I I, I agree with you, man. And it's kind of hard uh, at a young age like that. You know, seven, uh, fifteen, sixteen, seven, eighteen, even whatever the case may be, right? Those high school, those high school years, and so it's kind of hard to grasp these concepts, and even to put your pride aside and be like, man, you know what? I'm going to go up to this guy and I'm going to be like, dude, I've been trying to catch up to you, man. I've been studying you. I just, I can't seem to figure it out. Can you, can you help me? Can you, I want to get to your level. And that's very hard for some people to do. They're like, I'm not going to tell this guy he's better than me. I'm not going to tell this guy that I, in essence, admire him Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So I think that's, that's very um, integral as integral as well. If that's how you can say that word as well to, um, to put that pride aside and man, if someone's better than you, just go up to them and ask for their advice. Cause that's going to make you better. Agreed. You know, we're all learning. We're all learning from each other. It doesn't matter whether a uh, woman or a man, you learn from somebody. So it's like, put your pride aside, man, and seek advice, seek mentorship from somebody. Hmm. And if they don't want to give it to you, then, then cool. Boom. Uh, that gives you more motivation to want to catch up, up to them and destroy them. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Um, not literally, but you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyways, yeah. So I also do, um, kind of touch a little, a lot on that. Um, 
I want kind of want to uh, go to your your senior year, um, and I don't know if you want to you know talk about it. You know, of course, it's all up to you. Um, mm-hmm. But I believe it was close to the end of your senior year that you were with your grandmother, or you I don't know if you were or weren't at this time. Um, I saw, I'll I'll leave that for you to tell. But you were homeless for uh, a month, I believe. Uh, yeah, so... about three four weeks. Um, so to make it a long story short. Um, I kind of had my ego was kind of peaking at that time. I was in amazing shape. I knew how to fight. I knew what I was capable of doing. So it was very, and I was young. I had that youthful, like just glow to me. So it was very hard to tell me that I was wrong about certain things. Um, especially if you weren't part of my team, like I didn't really care what you thought or what you said. Um, so, you know, I got into it with, with my grandmother over, you know, the current living arrangements. Um, and she basically was like, okay, you know what? Like, you don't have to be here. And I was like, okay, great. I can make it on my own. Like, I have a little job that I'm making a little bit of money, right? I have my own little beat-up car. I'll be fine. I can make it. Um, and it was during winter. It was during the winter time. I couldn't make it. <laughs> I could not. So, you know, I, like the first week or two was fine. You know, you're sleeping in your car or whatever. Um, you're, you're eating at school, so it's, that's no worry. Um, I'm getting like cheap fast food after school. So I, I was able to eat no problem, but I had a crappy car, dude. I have a Chevy Cavalier. If those of you know anything about cars, there are no Chevy Cavaliers out on the road today, and there's a reason. Uh, it crapped out on me like in the middle of winter. So I'm over there uh, with a car that doesn't work, trying to sleep in it, no heater in that car. So my heater was literally as much clothes as I could put on. Um, and when it, whenever the nights were like really, really bad, um, I did have a couple of friends that let me, you know, kind of couch hop, but you can only do that for so long. Um, and then after I kind of ran out of couches to hop into and after my car basically was, was just shit, it wasn't running for two weeks. Um, I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to have to kind of swallow my pride and go back. And I think that was an important part of my life too, because it taught me that one, I don't know everything Two, I can't make it on my own just yet. And three, the world does not care about you. Okay. Um, as much as you think it does, the world does not revolve around you because whether I was sleeping in a nice warm bed or I was sleeping in that refrigerator of a car in the middle of winter, the world kept turning. My friends kept doing whatever they wanted to do. My family was doing whatever they wanted to do. The neighbors kept doing their day to day. The teachers kept doing their day to day. Literally everyone's life was the exact same with the exception of mine. And it taught me from a very young age that the world does not care about you. Your problems are just that. They are your personal problems. And unless you take action to correct those problems, they're going to continue to be your problems because there's no, they're no one else's problems, but your own. Yeah, of course. Um, did you did you find yourself like being really um how can I put it um were you being like really I'm trying to think of a way to put it were you just like really being like what what was your emotions like during that like how did you mentally just kind of like cope with that I mean I couldn't imagine you know like doing that and you still got to go to school and stuff like that like did you see yourself these did you see yourself mentally kind of deteriorating a little bit like like what's going on with my life ah man so I was still able to do all of the major things right I was still able to shower I was still able to do launch I was still able to do all of those things I guess I never really had time to sit there and like ponder those emotions right because 
again, I learned that the world doesn't care about you. So if yeah, I yeah. sat there and just continued to whine and complain about things, that didn't change anything. It was still cold outside. I still had to go get food. I still had to shower. I still had to do my homework. I still had to find a way to do the things that I need to do. Um, so I never really had a chance to just kind of sit there and sulk. And it, it definitely sucked. Don't get me wrong. Like I, It was not a fun experience, but I think that lesson was so important. I kind of was meant to go through that. Yeah, hundred percent. So you, okay. So you go back, right. You, I mean, you're going through this kind of whirlwind for three weeks, you know, mm -hmm. couch hopping and, you know, just doing whatever you got to do just to keep going, you know, and you're just coming through these realizations of, man, the world doesn't revolve around me. You know, life is tough. You know, you're getting mm -hmm. a little glimpse into that right there. So you go back to your grandma and, uh, you could say she, she, you know, yeah, she comes to clutch, but not really just because of the stuff that she puts on you as far as the bearing of rent mm -hmm. and just other things that you had to do. Kind of walk us through that, man, because I thought that was quite, uh, I wouldn't say fa fascinating, but not, not in that weird sense. It was interesting, uh, right? Interesting. Very interesting. So kind of walk us through that. What happened? Yeah. You went back and she, well, yada, 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 yada. So I left and when I came back, I'm basically a roommate. You know, she was like, I don't mind having you come back. Um, you know, I love you. I care about you. But, you know, you need to understand how life really works. She was like, if you want to be here, there are certain things you need to do to be here. You're going to need to buy your own food. You're going to need to clean up the house. You're going to need to pay X amount in rent every time you're here. And she basically was like, and I plan on selling the house pretty much right after the time you graduate so um or a couple months after you graduate so you're kind of on your own you, you know you I'm at, you can buy a few months here but you still got to come up with your own like game plan and i was like oh okay um so so yeah you know i i continued to do my regular school my full-time job i was still training i was paying my rent and things like that and in the back of my mind you know there's not many seniors that kind of have to worry about like finals and trying to find a place to stay, you know what I mean? So that was definitely something that was, that was a curveball. but all those previous lessons I learned and all those previous um, tough situations I was in in my life kind of helped me prepare for that. And I feel like I took it on the best possible way I could at that time. But you were working a lot, man. Didn't you even say at one point you were working like four jobs or something like that? So right after I graduated, um, I got a roommate and I was living in an apartment in the Southwest area. Um, but in order just to cover, cause when you're young and you get a new car, like they bend you over the barrel with, with what you have to pay. So I got like a, <laughs> like a, like a basic car. Um, I had my apartment, all the utilities in my name. So just to cover myself, like just to make ends meet at this time, like right when I moved out, I had stopped training, but that's, that's another story. Um, so I was not training. Um, I got jumped right into the workforce. I started working full time at a gym. Um, I also was working about 20 to about 20 hours a week at a supplement store. Um, and that still wasn't enough money to, to fund my my living expenses. So on top of that, I also picked up a, an extra job uh, training at like a uh, boot camp facility. I was teaching like a few morning classes a handful of times a week. And I also got a job at a country club training, group training there as well, like twice out of the week. So, you know, there was some points where I was working three jobs a day. Um, and sometimes it was just easier to pull up to the parking lot of the next job, sleep there and just set my alarm and wake up and go straight to work. Um, just cause there wasn't enough time to go home. Or if I did go home, I wouldn't have enough time to sleep to go to the next job.
No, yeah. That's, um, man, that's um, insane. And to those of you who are watching and uh, are complaining just about a final or something not as, as big, let this be a lesson, all right? Uh, this guy was busing balls just to make ends meet. Um, you know, on top of that, worrying about school, you know, just all these different factors and stuff like that. So, um, for someone that, you know, I mean, that is going through that right now, um, cause there has to be, there's so many people in the world and it's a lot of the same stories, different people, they would say, um, how, how do, how do you, what kind of insight do you give them to kind of cope with that? You know what I mean? Cause that's, that's a lot to deal with, man. I mean, you, you're, you're working a lot of jobs. You're even having to go to the, your, your place of where you're working and you're like, man, I'm just going to crash here. And it's a lot to ment mentally handle. You know what I mean? If you're not really mentally strong and whatnot, do you have any insight for someone who may be going through that or someone who is watching that knows someone who's going through that and they don't have the words to give them, but you can give them the words to give them? Yeah. I, I mean, there, there's a few things I would tell them. The first being that understand that everything that happens in your life, you, you could, and you should take it as a lesson. Um, because like I said earlier in the podcast, there's a lot of different ways to learn a lesson, right? And sometimes you just learn things a crappy way, but you still learn it either way. So if you're going through a period like I went through, um, understand that there is kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. If you're willing to keep moving forward towards that light, I'm going to add that in there. Um, and that try to pull something from every experience you can, because every experience in some form or fashion has a lesson that it can give you. And I think it's also important to ask yourself, why are you currently in this position? Sometimes it's just you have bad luck, but most times, most of the time, it's just you just made bad choices. And the reason that I was in that position, it took me a long time and it took me a lot of years to actually admit that I made a lot of mistakes when I was younger, that if I did not make those mistakes, I wouldn't have to be working four jobs to pay for a crappy apartment in Southwest Houston. You know what I mean? If, if I listened to the right people, I surrounded myself with the right people right out of high school, you know, I probably could have had, um, you know, a scholarship or some grants to go to college. I probably could have enlisted in the military. I probably could have done other things to where I wouldn't have to be working those four jobs. But what I did pull from that was, okay, yes, I sh should have and could have done things differently, but this is what I actually did. And these are the lessons that I'm going to pull from it. So I think to answer your question, Ryan, um, anyone who is experiencing things like that, for one, pull something out of it. Don't let it be a waste. And two, ask yourself why you're in that position and be real with yourself. There's no reason, no point, and no purpose to lie to yourself. If you are in a bad situation and it's your own fault, you need to outright say it and admit it to yourself. I effed up. I made a mistake. I'm at a, I, I made a bad choice. But don't leave it at that. Try to get yourself out of that position because, again, you could sit there and cry about it or you can try to get bigger, faster, stronger, right? physically or mentally. 100%. I think this is a good way to uh, segment to the, um, the next topic I want to get to, which is, I would say, the path. And by the path, I mean, after you graduate, you're going to have that lingering question that's that's really shoved down your throat of, hey, what's next? What are you going to do? Whether that's from a family member, um, a friend, whatever the case may be, mentor, they're like, hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to go do the traditional route? Are you going to go to school? Are you going to go to maybe a community college, then go to straight to a university? Or are you going to go to university and just bang out your four years? Are you going to go to a vocational school? Like, what, mm -hmm. what are you going to do? What are you going to do? 
and obviously you, you kind of hints you've already um mentioned that you had to like provide for yourself because your your grandmother sold the house she left she's she's moving on and stuff like that and you're you're in an apartment in, in the southwest area and obviously even though you're working so hard you're trying to maintain i would think you know of course you, you can correct me stuff with that that all of that is a means to, and that's, that's not what you want to do for the rest of your life. You don't want to bust tail for 15, 20 or whatever the case may be. So what comes, what comes to your mind then what's, what is the path that you're thinking for yourself of how am I going to get out of this? Like, what is that thought process? Man, that's, that's a really good question. I, I attribute a lot of where I am today because of martial arts and because of bodybuilding, because I feel like those two things are amazing for teaching you consistency and dedication. Mm -hmm. I feel like no matter what position you're in, whatever hand you're dealt with, there's a ton of people that have it way worse than me. And there's a ton of people that have it way better than me. Everyone has a different, different um, set of cards in their hand. Um, what I, what I think is important to do is, or what I did rather, was I was like, you know what, let me just keep working hard and then eventually something will come from it. If I can go to work with the mentality of I need to be the best trainer, I need to be the best sales associate, I need to be the best manager, I need to be the best whatever, then it'll show. And fortunately it did for me. You know, but it, it was very difficult. It was very difficult to go to one job where you only work six hours, but you had already worked eight hours at the previous job and have that same energy at the start of the, your, of, of the new shift as you did your first shift. But I knew that, you know, if I half-ass these jobs, for one, they might fire me. And two, I'm always going to have to work jobs like these unless I show that I'm worth more than just an entry-level position. And that's not to discredit anyone who is working an entry-level job. Um, but I think we need to ask ourselves, like, is that what you want to do? And I knew that that's not mm -hmm. what I wanted to do, but it's what I have to do now. It's what I have to get past. It's my current obstacle. And I didn't have exactly. the education. I didn't have the military. I didn't have those things. The only thing I knew how to do was bust my ass and work hard because of martial arts, because of bodybuilding, because of those things. So is the fighter, is the fighter dream still alive? Like, was that something that you're like, I'm going to, I want to be a fighter. I like, I'm a, I'm a bust tail and stuff like that. Was was that the path that you were kind of condes, uh, conjuring up in your mind, or was it just I'm just gonna you know just bust tail and whatever opportunity presents itself presents itself? Oh man! So at that time when I was working all those jobs, like I said, I was not training anymore. Um, I was training up until probably the middle three fourths of my way through my senior year of high school, um, and the reason I stopped was actually. Again, you know, it is definitely something that I regret doing, but I stopped training because I had lost like my very first and only amateur mixed martial arts fight. It was, I was 17 when I had my first fight and, um, I, I just did not perform well. I did not perform well. Um, it was unanimous decision loss. Um, I got my ass kicked for like freaking 15 minutes, um, and it was just very demoralizing for me because I was like, holy crap, like I, this is something that I put my entire life into. I've never worked so hard for something in my entire life ever, let alone to fail at it, right? Like that really sucks. It, it you know, it's, I don't know if any, if, if you've ever experienced anything like that where you're, where you've worked so hard towards something, but it wasn't enough. But like for me, 
that loss was like the most discouraging thing in the world to me. Like I just was not the same after that. Um, and what I mean by not the same was I still had the skill set. I was still really good, but I kind of froze up in the fight. I didn't really know how to handle it. I kind of let all the pressure um, kind of get to me. So I stopped training. And like I said, I got in the workforce and tried to find my way um, there. And luckily, while I was working all of those jobs, I still somewhat knew how to work out. So I was like, you know what, let me just start lifting weights. And I kind of had a knack for it. I was pretty good at it. Um, I was able to put on muscle pretty quickly. Um, so I just got into bodybuilding at that point in time. So right around the time I was working all those jobs, although my my dream of being a fighter had kind of fizzled out, um, I kind of had this this new love and this new appreciation for this new hobby come up. So, Got you. Now, um, when that, that fire dream, you know, kind of went away and then uh, you put a lot of, of effort into it, you know, just kind of going back to what you were saying about, like, I got jumped and that was a, a game changer for you, which led you to, excuse me, uh, mixed martial arts and stuff like that. Is that something that you do look back on and, um, like as a, as a big regret and you may even be like, man, like it's, it's unfortunate that I'm going to have to die with this dream, not coming with me, man. Um, if I'm if I sit here and say that I don't think about it and don't have those what ifs, I would be lying to you. Um, I kind of talked myself out of wanting to fight because all of my coaches and all of my teammates were super supportive of me after that. They wanted me to keep doing better. Um, I think the most vivid memory I have from that fight was stepping out of the of the cage after that decision and. It's so funny because it's just a local local scene amateur mixed martial arts fight that I guarantee you no one else remembers but me, right? Uh, I, I remember walking out of that cage and the only thing, the first thing and the only thing that I said coming out of that cage, I was taking my gloves off, I was taking my wraps off, and I looked at my coach and I was like, I'm sorry, man. Um, I just felt like I let everyone down. Um, so... After that, I, I feel like I just kind of talked myself out of it. I was like, I don't ever want to feel those emotions again. I don't ever want to feel those feelings again. Um, so I forced, I kind of talked myself out of it, and I really wish I didn't. I really wish that I could talk to myself now and have have a really deep conversation. And it's like, no, like you needed that to happen. That was supposed to happen. Um, that was a test for you. You know, and you, you could, again, take it one of two ways, sit there and cry, which is what I did, or try to pull a lesson out of it. Now, fast forward almost 10 years later, I pulled a lesson out of it. But at the time, I wish I pulled that lesson faster and I would have continued to pursue my, my at the time, what was what I thought was my dream, right? Yeah, no, 100%, man. It's uh, it's very, it's, it's most definitely a uh, tough pill to swallow and we can't do anything, but just accept it. I mean, because you could drive yourself up a wall. Like, man, I, I'm never, I'm never. Like, literally, you can't, you can't take. Um, how would you say? You can't take time back, or you can't go back at the past and do it. It's, it's all about today and and the future from now. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, you know, you're not, you're never going to be able to go back in time and talk to yourself and tell yourself, "Hey, go do it." And it's um. It's 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 unfortunate, sad. Because like, even when I put myself, I literally put myself in your situation, and thinking like, man, I, 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 in a sense, gave it up. Whether or not it would have worked out, I I didn't see it through the end. Mm -hmm. And for someone watching this and and that are struggling with something that's big, that's terrifying, and they don't know if they're good enough, 
just go through with it because you're going to have a lot more um, demons if you don't go through with it. You know, at least if you try and you fail, you tried. You, you There is no more, what, what if What if I would have done this? Um, what if I would have done that? And the yada, 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 all these, all these what ifs, right, that are going to haunt you um, won't, won't haunt you because you went out and you did it. When I When I joined the military, I almost didn't do it. You know what I mean? And now that I did it, I don't have that question of, oh, what is it like? You know, or how would I have fared? Would I have passed? You know, and all these things, I did it. And now I can make a conscious decision of whether I want to continue with it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, most definitely, yeah. Um, like I said, for someone watching this, um, take take what Aaron said and or even what, I, what I've said literally and, and go after what is that you want to do. And I also want I also want to ask for your insight, and I don't mean to ask too much insight, but that kind of is what I want to make this channel or uh, series or whatever you want to uh, categorize this as about. You know, I mean, I want these conversations to be able to look back on and someone to see this as inspiration from your story or whoever's uh, other story and stuff like that. So, what 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 advice would you give to someone who is on the verge of graduating or just graduating and they're just getting bombarded with that? what now question from their family, friends that you need to succeed in four years, you know, stuff like that. You need to go to school. What advice would you, would you give to that uh, young man or woman? Make whatever decision you want to make. And what I mean by that is, although, yeah, you know, I did love martial arts and I did love fighting and I kind of wish I didn't stop doing that at the time. Um, because of that, because of the fact that I stopped, I found so many other things about myself that I otherwise wouldn't have. So don't ever take a, a situation as quote unquote bad, because every decision is just that. It's a decision. There is no good or bad decisions, right? It, it's, it's a decision. It's a choice that you made. So who knows? Maybe if I chose to stick with fighting, I probably would have sucked at it and nothing would have sprouted from it. Or I probably would have been best in the world and that's a freaking stretch right but uh, I'm, I'm talking major extremes here right you know i probably wouldn't have been mm -hmm. anything or i probably could have been a huge success who knows but i know that i didn't make that choice instead i joined the workforce i found a love for bodybuilding i found a love for coaching i found a love for training i found a love for helping other people grow in and out of the fitness realm too you know so although i might i, I don't know does that make sense you know, whatever whatever choices you make, stick by them and don't second guess yourself. You made the choice. Don't look back. Kind of like I said at the start of this podcast, my mom, she's a gangster. She makes a decision and she doesn't look back. And I think that's something everyone needs to do. You make a decision and you don't look back. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And uh, just kind of reiterate what I was kind of uh, mentioning earlier. There is no there is no right or wrong answer. There is no right way of formulating it. However, it rolls out of out of your tongue or your mouth is how it's supposed to roll out. So um, definitely what you said, I, I could, I could definitely grab some insight and to tag along onto that. I would say do something as simple as just take a deep breath, man, and understand that it is going to be a timing process. This is not going to be overnight, whether you're going to get a, a degree or you're, or you're going to become an entrepreneur, this is not going to be an overnight success. And I also understand you're probably not gonna you're you know you're probably not gonna 
figure it all out in your 20s. You may figure it out in your 30s. You may figure it out in your 40s. I know, and I know that saying that right there, that might scare some people. Like, what do you mean? Like, well, I want to figure it out by 25. I want to figure it out by 30. What do you mean? I, I, there's a chance that I might not have everything I want to 40. You're crazy, right? It might happen, man, you know, but understand that it's a timing process. Um, and just take it a day at a time. You're always going to get pressured by people and they're always going to want you to succeed on their time. You know, if it's not on their time, then it's no time and stuff like that. So in essence, I guess what I'm really trying to say is be easy on yourself. Don't, don't overstress because stress isn't going to lead you anywhere. But, um, we've kind of covered that a little bit. Let's go ahead and segment to the next topic, which, um, it's going to be as far as your leadership and personal training, but we're going to start with leadership first because even though people are kind of getting a little glimpse of you, they've also never worked with you and stuff like that. And I'm hoping just by the way you're formulating your answers and the way you're articulating yourself, people can kind of get a glimpse of kind of the leader you are. But like I said, it's it's kind of hard to just because they never work with you. But I honestly, with, with the time that I have been um, under you, I'll say that, yeah, under you. Um, cause you've been the manager and stuff like that of where we work. Um, man, honestly, like I, um, uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say I, I admi admired you, man. I was like, man, this guy, like I'm taking notes on this guy right here. Like this guy has been through a numerous amount of experiences. He knows what he's talking about. When I ask him a question, he precisely answers it. Um, it never seems like he's having a bad day. He always knows how when he's at work, um, anything that's going outside is on the outside. When I'm in here, hey, job's got to get done. How can we get the job done? I care about my job. I mean, I could just I could just list this on and on, honestly. Um, but I'm just trying to paint a picture from my experience because, like I said, y'all have never uh, worked with Aaron. Um, but if you ever do come across Aaron and stuff like that, um, definitely take some advice uh, as far as leadership and stuff like that. But you've worked in – the corporate world, I guess you could say, for quite a while, man. And you've also stumbled, quite, stumbled across quite, um, quite a bit of leadership roles. Was that because people would see things like I see in you? I'm like, this guy, man, he could be potential. I need to get him in some kind of manager spot because he's going to help us grow. Or were you having that that dog mindset of how you mentioned earlier? You seen those those tall guys and they run the show, and you're like, I'm going to run the show. I'm coming in here with a purpose. I'm not just going to just do. I'm not only just going to do my job. I'm going to exceed and I'm going to be a leader. Which one was it? Man, uh, again, I'm, I'm going to kind of dovetail this all back to martial arts and bodybuilding. Those two things taught me so much. Like I said, they taught me my work ethic. They taught me consistently, the, the consistency. They taught me um, perseverance. They taught me all of those things. And I just, you can, it's not a switch. You can't flip that off. Either you're a dedicated person or you're not. And I definitely feel like it's something that you can work up to. Like you can definitely work to being a dedicated person, but it's not going to be an instantaneous thing. You're not going to go to a, a trial week of jujitsu or bodybuild one time, do a bodybuilding show, and then all of a sudden you're the most dedicated guy in the world. No, like you have to put in the work too. But I, I carried that over into my professional career. Um, you know, I started at entry level, entry level um just scanning key tags at a corporate gym and i carry that same mentality of being the hardest worker doing the most um even you know the same co-workers that were complaining to me talking about like oh i don't get paid to do that okay that's why you are always going to do what you're currently doing i'm willing to take that extra step and yeah some people might be like no corporate's just going to take advantage of you and they might but 
I knew personally what I was capable of doing. And if I'm capable of doing that, then I'm going to do it. And over yeah. time, I was able to kind of stand out from other trainers, um, just from a numerical standpoint, if we're talking about statistics. And there was only one person in the uh, in my first corporate gig that I had that actually saw something in me. And he was the reason that I got into a leadership position. Um, he had been in the fitness industry for years. He was a very savvy businessman, um, took a failing gym and turned it around to easily the most profitable gym in the entire franchise. He, he was that good. Um, and he just sat down and had a conversation with me one day. He's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you are, you are too smart to be doing what you're doing. At the time, I think I was just training a couple group classes out of the week. And he, I was like, oh, you know, like just train and stuff like that. And he's like, Aaron, he's like, you're capable of doing so much more. He says, the way you can articulate yourself, he said, the way you think the effort that you put into your work, that the, the fact that you're willing to go the extra mile that these other trainers aren't. He said, I think I was like maybe 21 years old at the time, 22 years old at the time. Um, he was like, I've been in the fitness industry for nearly a decade and you are within the top three most knowledgeable trainers I've ever met my entire life. And I was, that, that kind of made me go like, whoa, like, I didn't even know I knew that much. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Well, because you're humble, though. You're, you're humble about yourself. I try to be. Um, so I was like, oh, I mean, he was like, do you see yourself possibly like managing other trainers or running a training department or anything like that? And I was like, I would definitely love to, you know, if that means more money, because shoot, I was still working like three jobs, man. I'm tired. You know what I mean? And he knew that, too. He knew that I that I worked all of those jobs, um, which was another reason that he wanted me to to move up so I wouldn't have to. And I remember the, at the time, the franchise I was with did not have a training department manager or training department head. It was just kind of a free for all for all of the trainers. You're thrown into your gym and you do your own thing, right? No one's checks up on you. No one gives you any responsibilities. Whether you got one person and this other gym has a packed class, you're both getting paid the same type of deal. Um, so they structured the CEO of the company at the time, he structured a meeting with all the trainers and he requested that three specifically manage everything. I was not amongst that three. At the time we had like 26 trainers between the entire franchise. He picked three and my manager actually stepped up and was like, hold on, like, what about my guy? He has the highest percentages out of everyone. Why are you overlooking him? And they were like, oh yeah, I guess that's fine. Yeah, have, have him jump in there too. So I wasn't even supposed to like be a part of that group. And we all meet at the uh, corporate office and no one says anything. No one knows the next step to take. They just mm -hmm. kind of gave us a task and walked out of the room. No one said anything. No one was doing anything. No one knew where to start. And I was like, I know. Let's start here. Let's do this. You know, and, and we started piecing together. I think the, the project was like put together a meeting or something, um, a meeting agenda. So I started piecing everything together. I was able to delegate things. I was like, okay, what do you like? Or what would you like to do? What would you like to do? What do you feel you're good at? Okay, this is what I feel I'm good at. Let's all work to get, let's, let's all piece our ideas together and let's structure things. Um, and it, it was a big hit. And because of how involved I was at that juncture and how involved I was in that meeting and how passionate I was about what I was doing, needless to say, those other three trainers never had that opportunity again and it was just me and I, I was offered a position to run the training department at that point in time um, but I would not have been there was it not for the manager of the facility at that time who saw that in me yeah and I am so 
So glad you brought that up because that's exactly what I was going to bring up was that was that whole meeting exchange and how you basically commanded the room. You took charge and you went up there. You try to formulate a game plan and which is very hard to do because you have to be precise about it. If you're just like, all right, guys, well, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, they, they're going to see you as authoritative. And who, who's this guy? Which you're probably going to have that that guy or gal either way. You know, it's just right. inevitable. But for you to kind of go up there and ask for input, hey, what do you think? Um, oh, you like that? I think that's a good idea. Has what does everybody else agree? Yeah, we okay, cool. Let's do that. Yada yada. And that's how you know you train. Uh, you've trained somebody well. I mean, a Navy SEAL, Jocko Willink, another Navy SEAL, Andy Stump said the same thing. If you want to see how you're, uh, and I'm probably not going to verbatim really get this accurate, but you'll get the sense of what I'm trying to say is if you want to get a sense of your your people's leadership and how you've trained them. Set up a meeting just like that. Walk out the room and see what they do. If they come in and everybody's quiet, you haven't trained them at all. But if they come in and yeah, they've hey, oh hey boss, you're back. Hey, this is what we just went over. We went over um uh, the schedule for the week. We went over what everybody um you know, the training program, whatever the case may be. That's how you know you're doing. You're teaching uh, that person well. So um yeah, I thought that was very uh, interesting and uh, very um, inspiring. You know, what I mean, I definitely took note. Like, wow! Like, whenever you first told me that, I was like, dang, like, man, this guy is, this guy is top tier, man. This is good. You know, he just no fear, just went up there and did what he had to do. Um, kind of tagging along a little more to, um, leadership. What are some like key, um, key principles with leadership that you can kind of provide us with, if that makes sense? I think what a lot of people misunderstand is a leader is still a part of the team. And we kind of forget that sometimes. We're so quick to think that the leader is, he's front and center. He kind of just delegates and that's it, right? Like he's just kind of the boss. He tells us what to do. And it's like, no, a good leader is a part of your team. Like there, there's this really um, uh, funny picture I saw on Facebook, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've seen it or some of the viewers might have seen it where it'll, it has two different categories. It has the top row where it has a leader standing on a block that's getting pulled by his entire team and he's just kind of pointing and you could tell he's yelling at him, telling him to pull the, the block that he's standing on, right? And the other mm -hmm. picture right underneath it has the leader in the front pulling that block with his team. And that's something that I that I try to replicate in everything that I do if I am in a leadership position is that I am a part of this team too, right? Like I, I might be the person who um, has to deal with all the customer complaints or has to deal with um, the, the repercussions, right? But still, I'm still a part of that team and never lose sight yeah. of that. And I feel if you never lose sight of that, you'll always have the respect of your peers. You'll always have respect of your team. Um, and they'll want to work with you. They're, they're willing to go to battle with you. They're willing to die with you because they understand that you're willing to do the same thing. And that might be an extreme example, but I mean, it's true. Like I'll use the military as a good example. Like your sergeants and the, and, and, and the other individuals who are front and center, like you're willing to die with them because you know that they would do this exact same thing for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. Or you'll see the kindness and of them, like they'll take the blame for you. They're like, "Hey, why?" Let's just throw a quick example, right? Why, hey, why isn't uh, why is the specialist of a tourist shaved? Hey, sorry, uh, that's on me. And I see that, and I'm thinking, this guy just took my back. He didn't have to take my back. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll see something like that, and then that makes you going back to that extreme point of, "I'm, dude, I'm willing to die for this guy." 
You mm. know, this guy had my back. He could have easily threw me under the bus and said, that's his fault. Um, but no, he took accountability. And and that's just uh, very um, something inspiring, something that I've been exposed to in the military with that. And those are the leaders that you that you want, man. The guys that the, the leaders that have your back and mm. are um, willing to go through thick and thin for you. Um, Absolutely. And stuff like that. They don't need to be the center of attention. They don't need to 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 you know pound their chest and show how much of a great leader they are because their work speaks for itself. I, they don't need to say anything. You know, what I mean, everyone speaks for them. They don't have to speak uh, for themselves because I I or somebody else will speak for them. Like, hey, this guy's an incredible leader. Why isn't he getting promoted or whatever the case may be? Or if you ask me an opinion about this person, like if someone asked me about you, I'm gonna say a merit of things about you. Like this guy's incredible. You know what I mean? Like great leader. Give him a shot. You know what I mean? If I was ever in like some kind of position like that. Um, but let, let me, um, let, let's try to give, I'm, I want to give an example. And then that way, maybe, you know, someone might be in the situation at this, but I think it was very fascinating with um, a coworker and a uh, coworker of ours, um, Andrew, and then you had myself, um, which was the scenario was, I think I forgot what we were talking about, but I, I was just kind of like, I think I was just like, how do you, how do you lead Andrew and how do you lead me? And your perspective on it was was pretty interesting as far as you understood my personality and how to gear me and put me in the line of success for how to sell a membership. And then on Andrew's uh, side, was he does personal training, how to gear towards his personality so that way he can sell a membership. Um, I won't go too much into more of that because I, I would rather have you um, answer that. But kind of give us that dynamic of how you identified that and how you approached it, okay, to tailored based on how we are, our personalities, to make us successful. Yeah, absolutely. So earlier we talked – yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. Um, earlier we talked about um, what do what do I think about the school system, right? And my, my whole thing was I feel like the teachers aren't passionate or you could tell that they're not um, completely bought into what they're doing, right? Um, I'm sure they care, right? But they're only willing to care up until a certain point. Um, mm -hmm. So the reason I bring that up is because, uh, again, every kid has a way that they learn and they grasp things, right? Adults, we're the exact same way, okay? There's there's certain ways that we need to hear things for us to understand them. And there's certain ways that we can better certain traits about ourselves to make us more successful. So I think the first step that I took for both of you guys was one, just getting to know you guys, right? Getting to know a little bit about both of you, getting to know what your goals are, getting to know where you ultimately want to be. And then from there, once I have that outline, I'm able to kind of plug in myself and say, okay, um, he wants to do this. He wants to do that. I'm able to help him in this particular area. Okay. How can I articulate this to them? easy. I go back to previous conversations that we had. Now I know how to, how to word things to, to where we can all grasp it together. And then you can get better in the areas that you need to get better. He can get better in the areas he need to get better. And we all understand things and we're all working um, successfully simultaneously. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that was a, a very, because you had one dynamic with me being, I'm someone more of a, I guess you could call me humorous. I like to, Yeah. I want to talk to you. I want to get along. I want you to laugh. You know, I want to feel as if we are literally going out for dinner or something like that. Whereas Andrew, he is very intelligent and he's also very assertive, mm -hmm. which is, which is, like I said, 
which is good. You want different personalities. You don't want a bunch of Ryans that are humorous and all this. You want different personalities to match with different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way you kind of took that dynamic of, okay, this is how Ryan is. Let's see how we can mold his personality so that way he can translate that into selling a membership by making them feel comfortable. They like Ryan and, and in turns they want to invest with Ryan where Andrew may be, um, you more can sell it by yeah, more, more authoritative. authoritative, but he, but you know, even though he's, you in the, as he's training, you it may come off as tough. It's tough love. And you, you admire that. You're like, this guy wants me to be better. You know what I mean? So that was very interesting how you uh, kind of approach that um, in a sense. Um, my last question as far as um, the leadership topic would be, what advice would you give to someone who is about to take a, a very, uh, I guess, bold or, or not even bold, just just um, just are, are about to go into a leadership position and they're just worried out of their minds because they're, they're just thinking of X, Y, and Z. How do I relate to different personalities? How should I structure the day? Just all these different things as a leader that you have to worry about because you no longer can worry about self. You have to worry about everybody and yourself, which is a challenge in itself. You know what I mean? So what kind of advice would you give to someone who is about to uh, embark on a leadership role? I think you kind of answered the question um, w- with your last sentence. It's n- it's not about you anymore. And and I think mm-hmm. when you can understand that, like, it's not about me just training classes anymore, right? It's not about me teaching jujitsu classes. It's not about me teaching a boot camp class. It's not about me anymore. It's about my team. My job is to bring out the best in my team, because if I do that, my job is completed as a result. Okay, if we're talking about a gym, hypothetically, if you're managing a gym, if you could get your trainers to be the best possible trainers they can be, and you could get your sales representatives to be the best possible sales representatives they can be, your numbers are going to be met. You're going to be fine. You're going to keep your job. That's literally your job. And I think sometimes we go into a leadership position with the, with the mindset and mentality of what do I need to do? What, what, what can I do to bring this place up? It's not about you. It's about your team. So I think I think the best piece of advice I can give to someone who's about to step into a leadership position is understanding that it's no longer about you. It's about making everyone else around you successful because you will be successful as a result of that. Got you. No, that's perfect. That's a perfect way to put it, man. And um, once you can understand that and, you know, put your ego aside and understand that it's no longer about you, the credit, the credit needs to go to your team and not yourself. And no one, I guess you can call it a quiet professional no one knows about you in a sense it's everyone doesn't know about you but everyone knows about your team and that that in turn makes you happy like a good a good analogy would be a lineman uh protecting his quarterback even though his quarterback's the one throwing the touchdowns and they're celebrating him guess who's on the front line freaking pounding it out and and protecting his qb so that way they can get in the end zone and they can win this game you know so that's that's a leader in the sense um right there um and then to kind of segment to, to the next topic as far as personal training, uh, talk about this a little bit. I know you had met, we didn't go into it deep earlier, um, but I know you had mentioned you did bodybuilding and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure that's what kind of led you into uh, personal training as well. Of course, like I said, you can correct me if I'm wrong and stuff like that. Um, but kind of walk us through through that, how you got into the um personal training aspect and, you know, just managing all these clients and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I started off working entry level um, at a commercial gym and 
I realized that I liked being in a gym setting. I would, I already kind of had coaching experience from coaching jujitsu and, and coaching some other MMA classes that I was like, okay, you know, teaching a class and personal training isn't much different. I mean, you just swap out gloves for some weights, right? Um, <laughs> which in the grand scheme of things is, it's kind of true. Um, yeah. So while I was a, a sales associates, I worked to getting my certification. Um, I started training clients, um, and just kind of worked up from there. Um, and as I was training clients, that's, that's around the time that I, uh, was lifting weights and I was pretty good at lifting weights. I was always doing it in a safe, controlled manner. Um, I was able to put on muscle pretty quick. I had a pretty good physique cause I was already super lean cause I had done martial arts for years and I was super disciplined with what I was eating and, and, and all of that stuff and being healthy to where I was able to put on muscle and I had a pretty good shape and structure to me. And I was fortunate enough to meet another individual, um, who's more, who's more of a mentor in my life, um, who was, the epitome of an old school bodybuilder. I mean, beard, shaved head, buff, jacked, wore a stringer all the time, even to the grocery store. Um, and he kind of got me yeah. into bodybuilding and kind of taught me about the the lifestyle and the process behind it. And I just kind of fell in love with the with the discipline aspect of it because coming from martial arts, um, I was I had to be disciplined my entire life. And then when I stopped, I didn't have that discipline, and I was kind of like, oh, you know, just trying to find something to fill that gap and bodybuilding definitely filled that gap. Um, I've only done one local bodybuilding show in the past and I did pretty decent. I mean, I won my division, but I didn't win the overall. So for those of you that don't know how bodybuilding works, you basically get on the stage two times, one with people your weight and one with everyone else. <laughs> I won the one with people my weight. I did not win the one with everybody else. Um, and I learned, I learned pretty quick stepping off that stage that, you know, maybe I don't want to do this for a career because I talked to the people who won. You know, I talked to the to the super heavyweight who won. And um, obviously with bodybuilding, there's a lot of uh, performance enhancing drugs involved. There's a lot of finances involved because th these guys don't really work like their job is just being big. All of their money goes to drugs. All of their money goes to supplements. All of their money goes to food. All of their money goes to trainers and nutritionists. They're broke, right? They were, and and you know, I have some people telling me, "Oh, I spent three, four, five thousand dollars getting ready for this show," and you know what? First prize won five hundred bucks. So. <laughs> I learned pretty quick that if I do want to get to a professional level in bodybuilding, I have to be willing to sacrifice everything that first place did. And I wasn't willing to sacrifice all of that for no. a $500 check and some muscles. <laughs> I wouldn't either, man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And a little claps. For real. <laughs> exactly. Um, and from someone who is not a personal trainer himself and others uh, uh, that watch this and aren't personal trainers, how does – how does Aaron, you know, identify the training program, the nutrition plan um, delegated towards a person, you know, when you meet with someone like what, what goes, because there's an abundance of information of science out there. Hey, you need to take this amount of, of this product. You need to take this, you know, just abundance of information. So how does Aaron kind of formulate, okay, you want to lose weight, you know, you're kind of getting down to the meat and gritty beyond just that simple statement of lose weight. Now we need to identify how we're going to do that. How does Aaron identify what, like I said, training program, nutrition program to put them on based on their goal? One of my favorite quotes I heard from Bro Broderick Chavez. He is very big in the coaching 
um, more professional bodybuilding and powerlifter scene. Um, one of his uh, one quote he said was, "Complexity appeals to the simple mind," and that stuck with me so much because what you'll find the deeper you get in the fitness industry is people love to overcomplicate things. People love to try to get the most intricate diet plan and the most intricate training program, um, and that's not necessarily needed at that particular time, right? If someone comes up to me and they're just like, hey man, I'm trying to lose 20, 30 pounds. They don't need a super intricate diet plan. They need to be put in a calorie deficit and they need to be moving more. If I can do those two things, they're gonna lose weight, which is what they mm -hmm. wanted to do. But if I give that person the most intricate diet plan and a laundry list of supplements to take and tell them that they need to be in the gym six days a week and this is the type of training you need to do while you're there, this is the exact weights that you need to use, I guarantee you they're not gonna lose as much weight because it's overwhelming. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Now, don't get me wrong. If a professional athlete comes to me, I definitely approach that differently. If you're a professional athlete, you kind of have to understand that you're not doing this for health anymore. You're not doing this for um, personal reasons. You're doing this for your job. And you kind of have to be more strict and disciplined when it comes to your job and your career. If you're a professional bodybuilder and you're like, hey, I'm getting ready for the Mr. Olympia and you come to me you better believe you are going to have an intricate diet plan. You better believe you're going to have an intricate training protocol, but the other 99% of people don't need that. Okay. Got you. So once, once you've kind of identified that you've boiled everything down to the, to the meat, uh, meat and potatoes, you've identified the training program, nutrition plan, um, things like that. And you've gotten them to sign with you or commit with you, I guess a better way to put it, not sell, mm -hmm. commit. Um, how do you manage your, your client's expectations? Because especially nowadays, everybody wants, they see it on the ads, they see it on TV, wherever they might see it on their uh, device. It's six week, six week challenges, six, uh, do it in two weeks, do it in three weeks, do it in a month. How do you kind of manage those expectations when they just want it now? They just, right now, I want to look good already so I can just look, so I can feel you know awesome looking in the mirror. I can attract the people I want to attract. Like, how do you manage their expectations? Well, one, um, this is advice for any coaches and trainers out there. You're a leader, okay? You're a leader. And like I said, a leader cares about their team first. A leader gets mm -hmm. to know their team. You're going to have to get to know your team, and you're going to have to learn how you need to talk to your client and have that tough conversation with them. I've had plenty mm -hmm. of tough conversations with clients that want instant gratification, and it basically boils down to look. You are in your current position, whether it's overweight, whether it's obese, whether it's cholesterol issues, whether it's type 2 diabetes, whatever it is, you are there because an accumulation of certain habits. Habits take a long time to develop, and guess what? They take an even longer time to break. We basically have to unlearn all of those bad habits and re-implement good habits. And that's a process, and that takes time. And some people respect the hell out of me for keeping it real with them. Okay, because I'm not going to sit there. I'm not going to be one of those coaches that sits there and just takes your money and makes these false claims and false promises that I can get you to like under, I could get you stage ready in six weeks. No, I'm going to need to work with you for months at a time to get you stage ready. And some people that turns them off and they don't want to work with me and that's completely fine. Some people respect the hell out of it. They understand and I start getting that those light bulbs to go off in their head and I start to get them to uh, see things from a different perspective and yeah that's usually how I work and I think another good way to put it you know talking uh capping on to as far as you're saying hey trainers you're a leader you know it's not about you it's about your team 
um, I think a good way for for how you are is um, is I may not be the leader you want, but I'm the leader you need. Mm-hmm. And you might hate me for being honest and putting you through hell by with these workouts, but by the end of it, you're going to thank me. So I think that's oh, a good way. Absolutely, to, uh, I have I have well. one. No, yeah, absolutely. I have one client. Um, we're still really good friends to this day, although we don't work together anymore. Uh, she lost well over a hundred pounds working with me, and I would be lying if I sit here, if I sat here and said that she didn't hate me throughout the course of that time. She didn't cuss me out. <laughs> there weren't tears shed. All of those things did happen, one hundred percent. But she yeah. stuck with it. I was patient with her, and then we got her to lose that hundred pounds, and. For me, that was just like a huge, huge win for me to see her be able to tell me like, Aaron, like I'm going to live a lot longer for my kids now because of you. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. That was all the gratification that I needed. I didn't need to have a trophy. I didn't need to have a belt. I didn't need to have any of that because I was able to help this individual out, reach their next level, you know? Got you. Yeah. Um, my last, my last, uh, question on the topic of, uh, personal training is how, how, I guess, what advice would you give to someone to, to retain, how do you retain clients as a personal trainer, even when they met their goal or maybe they, uh, goal, or maybe they haven't met their goal. How, how do, how do you retain your clients so that way you have repeat clients and you continually, continuously have that source of income coming in for yourself? Mm-hmm. Good question. Um, a lot of people, and, and even people who work in a commercial gym or an independent gym, retention is a very big thing, and that's a very big yeah. problem. You know, let's let's be real. People want to drop off all the time, but I think it's important to understand that every bird eventually has to leave its nest, and you have to be okay with that. Um, I have mm-hmm. so many clients who hit their goal and went on to pursue other things, and that's okay. Um, you know, yes, it sucks not having that money come in anymore, but that really wasn't why I was doing it. Yes, I needed to do it because of money, but I, like I said, all of the other things that I got from it meant so much more to me. So, you know, a lot of the people who are no longer my clients, they have those good habits built. So I know they'll continuously be successful and they'll continue to have those those wins throughout their life. I have a lot of clients who actually went on and started their very own coaching companies. You know what I mean? And that's an even bigger win for me because one thing I always told myself was, man, if I can, if I can be this impactful with the people around me, if I can impact other people that are influential too, it's almost like it's a, it's, it's a widespread, right? So the fact that I was able to help get other trainers to the point where they're actually coaching their own clients now and passing on information like that's amazing to me that that's that's surreal to me it's almost like unbelievable sometimes yeah Um, so so yeah so to answer your question about retention i think for one it's important to understand that every bird eventually has to leave its nest and two um retention is inevitable right the only thing you can do to try to combat it is provide a good quality service but even if things do come up people do unfortunately lose their jobs people do unfortunately move people do get busy life happens but if you can continue to provide that amazing quality service for every one person that leaves you'll have two that walk in through the door if that standard is up there and you always have to hold yourself up to that standard so gym owners 
coaches, trainers, were, yeah, it kicked me out. Said there was no oh, connection okay. error. Okay, no worries. Hey, guys, I apologize for that. Luckily, the show's still going on. <laughs> yeah, we that, fixed guys. it this time. Um, but luckily, we've covered a lot. Um, so before anything else happens, <laughs> um, I don't think a better way to end this um, episode than um, with Aaron's key pillars. Uh Aaron's key pillars for life. So if you can just kind of walk us through your pillars. I know one was freedom. Uh, mm-hmm. So just kind of walk us through us, whether it's one, two, or three pillars, however many you want to give, and just give some quick context into um, those pillars for yourself. Yeah. Um, so just to make sure I have the, the question correct, like what what do you mean by pillars? Pillars, uh, I guess, like, I guess of importance, like, like, like you said, like, like yeah, like if you mentioned to me, one is freedom for you. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's something that's uh, very important. Something else could be family. Um, I guess um, maybe another way to put it is your non-negotiables, like your your things of importance that mm. that you're chasing for your life. Like these oh, okay. are the pillars that I'm chasing for my life, which is freedom, family, whatever the case may be. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. So so first one is freedom. Um, I ultimately want to get to a position where I can kind of disconnect from everything. Okay, I I was put into this world. I was put in, in literally into one of the most heavy populated cities in the entire United States. I feel like I was kind of put there for a reason. I need to fulfill that purpose. I need to fill that reasoning. I need to take care of that job. From there, I'm able to reach that freedom standpoint. And by freedom, uh, ultimately, my whole goal was to move somewhere in the mountains. What's that? Sorry, it was like a noise. I don't know. I was like, what was that? Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. To, um, my goal is to, to have that freedom to be able to disconnect from the big city and be able to move to my own piece of land with the creek, mm-hmm. log cabin, and be able to live the rest of my days there. But I understand that I have a job to fulfill first um, and kind of leading to my second pillar of work hard, work mm-hmm. hard. Um whether it goes appreciated or not, because that that's something that a lot of people go through is we bust our ass, we work so hard and we feel underappreciated and underpaid. And we feel like, why, why is it that I'm doing all of this? Like I said, the world is going to continue to get bigger, faster, and stronger. You can sit there and let it get bigger, faster, and stronger, or you can try to get bigger and faster, stronger with it. So you're, in order to do that, you have to bust your ass. You have to work hard. Okay, uh, because again, the world does not revolve around you. The world does not care about you. Mm-hmm. You need to care about yourself, and you need to care about the other people around you. Um, and I guess the third pillar would be really just try to be a good person, as cliche as that sounds. Because to, mm-hmm. to keep it real with you, there's a lot of very bad people in this world um, that even do the exact same thing I do uh, for work. You know what I mean? There's a lot of trainers and coaches out there and managers out there who don't really care about their team, don't really care about their clients. They literally just money grabbing and and, and trying to get out, right? They only care about the fame and the fortune and things like that. Um, There's enough people like that in the world already. Don't chase to be another influencer. Don't chase to be another money grabber. Um, Try to be that light, you know, because I'm sure everyone here has had a very bad um, point in their life. They had a very, um, they were at a low point in their life. Mm-hmm. Why would you not want someone to, or I'm sure while they were going through those moments, they were like, man, I wish someone would just come help me. Or I wish yeah. I had someone to talk to, or I wish I had someone that can help navigate me through this. Okay. You might not have had that person. 
But guess what? You have the capability to be that person for someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So be a good person. Got you, man. Um, that was extremely, this was extremely awesome. Um, interview with yeah, you, there, man. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having extremely me again, man. No, of course. And, uh, uh, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this. Um, I really wanted to bring Aaron on, Aaron on just due to uh, experiences that he's had that you know may have caused him to grow up faster and become more knowledgeable, um, disciplined, and you know insights that he can offer with that as far as leadership um, and you know personal trainings for trainers out there. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the episode. Um, I, could, I, I want to continue to bring awesome people just like Aaron on to these episodes to offer their insights. You know, I feel like if you have knowledge, spread your knowledge. So that's what I'm hoping to do. That way we can look back on these conversations and uh, you can seek advice or encouragement. Um, so that's it for the episode. Um, thank you guys for joining me again. And uh, that is it. See you next time. See ya.